Stephen on the word and on a partnership with him in the spirit realm. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. God bless you as you give. And let's give him a hand as he comes to bring the word this morning. Come on, Stephen. Wow, greetings from the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, it is such a blessing to be a part of what the Lord's doing here in Washington, and uh, I was happy to come and see the sunshine, because I didn't know you guys had sunshine out here. <laughs> and uh, it just so happens that I come here, and then Kansas City gets hit with like a foot of snow. And so this is like a vacation for me. It's a getaway. It's really nice. But thank you for having me, just short notice, just to open up your house. And I feel such a kindred spirit. I feel so comfortable and at home. You guys are cool. You guys are really cool. And, uh, you know, Joel had such an accurate pronunciation of the word y'all. And uh, I don't know where you're from, but it sounded like you would be one of my relatives in Georgia. And uh, so I, I feel right at home. Where are you from? Here. You are from here. So you guys are, you, you say y'all, huh? Okay. Well, see, that's new to me. All right. I, I, once again, I feel right at home, y'all. <laughs> and uh, as Dwayne said, I've been at the House of Prayer for the last 15 years. Um, I'm sort of a hybrid because my wife and I moved from Pensacola, Florida, and we were both graduates from the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. And so I don't know if you're familiar with the Brownsville Revival. It was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Pensacola, Florida from 95 to about 2000. And so we were birthed and launched out of the heat of revival. And so I'm sort of a revival slash house of prayer hybrid. And so it was out of uh, the revival that the Lord launched me into deliverance ministry because I would go to services every night and the power of God would fall and hundreds would run to the altar and there was so much deliverance. And I sat under a woman who would uh, show me, she had been in deliverance ministry for 20 years and she would show me that when people started physically reacting to the movement of the Spirit, she would show me what was demonic and what was of the Holy Spirit and what was flesh. So as a young man, I was trained up under that. And, you know, deliverance ministry is a holy ministry. I believe everyone is called to cast out demons. Everyone. There may be some that are equipped and called to do it in a full-time way, and there's a specific anointing and gifting to do that. But I want my legacy to be that I raised up as many people as possible to set the captive free. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I wrote the manual. The manual just came out. And uh, the way these, these resources were birthed is I made so many mistakes as a young man. I had so much zeal, and I did deliverance ministry in such a wrong way. And so I wanted to create a resource to help the next generation not make the same mistakes I made that we would learn how to uphold the dignity of people who are steeped in bondage and how we set them free. So the manual is a step-by-step -step, uh, deliverance practical handbook on every level of deliverance that, that I've experienced. And so um, thank you for having me. Let's pray.
power. Maybe I'll shift my message. We'll talk about power today. Take that, devil. Um, I'm kidding. I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush. There's two demons behind every bush. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this divine appointment, Lord. You order our steps. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, give us divine attention, that you would open our eyes and open our ears to receive everything that you have for us today. Lord, we forget about all the difficulties of life and all the distractions and the things going on around us, God, and we lock into your heart right now, Lord, because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. We don't want to hear just good words from man, but we want to have an encounter with your word today, God. We want to experience you today. So, Lord, let not this be just another good teaching, but let this be an encounter that we would meet with you and that our lives would be transformed into your image from glory to glory. Lord, that you would release fresh fire and fresh anointing and the power of your spirit, that you would shift our lives. And even now, the expectancy in our hearts are rising to believe that you're going to meet us and you're going to give us everything that you've brought us here to receive. Lord, it wasn't just a good idea for us to come here today. Lord, you led us here so that we can expect more from you because we know there's more, God, and we know we need more from you. So, Lord, here we are. Come, Holy Spirit. Let the anointing teach us. Bring clarity and unction. I declare my utter dependence upon you, God, in your anointing. Set the captive free. Increase our faith. Help our unbelief. Bring healing and deliverance. Bring life to dead places. By the spirit of truth, we pray, release a prophetic anointing upon this house. I pray for a deposit from heaven. Lord, even from the International House of Prayer, I ask for the release of the spirit of intercession and the spirit of prayer to come into this house. Father, that you would release fresh revelation and the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I thank you for that anointing. I thank you for that deposit and that transference and that cross-pollination that even I would receive a deposit from this house as the body of Christ comes together. Lord, right now, release your angels, the angels of presence, the angels of mercy, and the angels of deliverance. Let there be heavenly activity here today. In the name of Jesus, our great King, amen. Oh, we're going to have fun. Mark chapter 9. If you have your Bibles or your phones, your devices, I'm kind of old school. I still carry a Bible. I like carrying my Bible. There's just something about having something to turn pages with. I don't know. I'm just getting older, I guess. But you guys are cool. I see it. many of you just read on your phones and devices. I love it. Mark chapter 9. I want to talk to you today about unbelief and how prayer helps us grow out of our unbelief and some of the nuances that keep us from entering into a deeper life of prayer. Now, in Mark chapter 9, we see Jesus 
coming from the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, he, that in and of itself is amazing, if you've ever thought about it, that Jesus was glorified before Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah shows up, and he, they hear a thundering voice from heaven, the Father saying, this is my son, listen to him. Now, if God opened the heavens today and shouted and you heard a thundering voice saying, Jesus is my son, listen to him, you would pay attention to the very next words that Jesus said, right? You would be paying attention. Especially after he got transformed into a glorified state that even his clothes begin to shine with light. And the very next words Jesus tells his disciples is, the Son of Man must be crucified and must die and be raised on the third day. That seems pretty clear, doesn't it? How then did the disciples still not understand that Jesus was supposed to die and be raised on the third day? It's always been a mystery to me. That they saw and they experienced those things, yet in the moment when the suffering came, they doubted. We need supernatural encounters to help us in the moments of trials and difficulties to believe what God has said so that we don't cower to the circumstances around us and believe the accusation. The encounters sustain us when in the natural, all we see is the difficulty or experience the pain of everyday life and circumstances and warfare. That's why when Jesus comes out of the water at his baptism, the heavens open, the dove descends, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of you have received prophecies and during prophetic ministry someone said, God loves you, you're his son, you're his daughter, he's pleased with you. Well, you better get ready, because if you get a word like that, that's going to sustain you when you get launched into the wilderness. And you're going to have to cling to that word, you're going to need it. If God speaks that clearly to you, you're going to need it. To sustain you in whatever life brings your way. And difficulty... When you're asking for power, when you're asking for a deeper relationship with God, when you're asking to be more like Jesus, I really want to ask many of you to reconsider that prayer because whenever you pray to be like Jesus, that means you're going to have to go through things to be conformed and to have humility restored because that's why Jesus came. It was to restore humility back to mankind. And in order to do that, you have to embrace Whatever trials and testings of your faith have to come, and God is just answering your prayer to be more like Jesus. Don't think it's strange when various trials and testings of your faith come your way, because it's those very things that teach your hands to war and your fingers to fight. And God is more concerned about your maturity than he is your happiness. He's more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And so when difficulties and trials come your way, don't get offended. Because God wants you to enter into the sufferings of Christ. Because whenever you do that, you're entering into self-denial and humility. And he sees a vessel that he can entrust more anointing to. That he can entrust more power to. How many of you are asking for more of the power of the Holy Spirit? 
We need more power. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, I did not come to you with persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. How many of you know Paul could have appealed to the intellect of a man? He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He could have easily appealed to the intellect and debated and, and just got into the intellectual nuances of the gospel. But instead, he goes the other way and says, I came to you with weakness and in fear and trembling. And I proclaim to you nothing other than that I know that Jesus has died and has been resurrected. And I don't want you to believe it based on me telling you this. I'm going to get out of the way and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and bear witness of the resurrection. That's what we need in our pulpits today. We need less oratory, less pulpiteering, less pontification. We need men and women who will stand and say, I'm not going to draw your attention to me. I'm going to get out of the way so that the Spirit can come and bear witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus did not appeal to intellect. He bypassed the intellect by speaking in parables. We're not out to convert minds. We're out to convert spirits. And we need that power, that anointing. Jesus said, tarry in the city, beloved. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I will send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry in the city until you are endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20. The kingdom of God does not consist in words alone, but in the Spirit and power. As a young man, I pressed in because I got delivered from a, a radical salvation from drugs and alcohol. I was in the middle of an LSD overdose, and Jesus visited me, and I was delivered in a moment. And then I got put in a church, and every week in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, 8, they would preach, preach the kingdom of God is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And I would stand, and I would clap, and everyone would stand and clap, but then they would go to lunch, and they would go to lunch with their demons, and they would leave in their wheelchairs, they would leave with their oppression, and I would say, something's wrong. There's a disconnect from what's being preached and what's being experienced. And I wanted authenticity. I wanted truth. I didn't want a regurgitation of information. Beloved, truth is not just information. Truth is a spirit. Truth is a spirit. And truth can only be imparted by those who have an experiential knowledge. And what we need in the pulpits today is those who will pay the price, whatever it takes, in order to encounter the things of heaven so that when they speak, they have an experiential knowledge and things shifts and things get delivered and things get healed and people leave free rather than just saying, oh, what a good message. Oh, what a good speaker. Oh, what a good exhortation or exegetical message of the word. We need power. Where is this power? We need to do whatever it takes, in my opinion, to shut it down until we get it. That's why we have a 24-7 house of prayer. We're just asking day and night, night and day, God, send power. Restore what was lost. We need another Pentecost. 
Help our unbelief. Remove our compromise. Remove us where we have attached ourselves to the system of this world and cleanse us and make us holy again and raise up a priesthood that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says that we have access into the holy place, that we can go into the heavenly realms and receive the counsel of heaven. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, that, Behold, it's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave, that I might send the Holy Spirit to you. You need to know him. He's the spirit of truth. He will lead you and guide you in all truth. He will comfort you. He will strengthen you. He will pray through you. He's the one that will sustain you. Know him. He has a personality. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He can be lied to. All sins that are committed against the Father and the Son will be forgiven. But do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Beloved, there's no deeper, more intimate thing that I can give someone than my spirit. I wish I could give my spirit to my wife. We would never argue. In eternity past, the father turns to the son and says, Son, if you'll die on the cross, if you'll do this assignment, I promise you, I'll give them our spirit. And it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And yes, I believe that includes salvation and many sons being brought to glory. But I also believe that in the heart of Jesus, that promise was there. That he's going to give them our spirit that they may become like us. Have you ever promised your kids something? Like ice cream or something? You know, I have two young girls, and it's like when I tell them I'm going to give them ice cream, they will not let me go until they get it. You promised every five minutes. When are we going to get ice cream? The father turned to Jesus, I promise you, and Jesus held on to that promise. He endured the cross, and he endured such suffering and Shame and despising of man, knowing that one day he would sit at the right hand and he could intercede and say, Now, Father, release that promise upon them. And he knew the disciples needed more than just being with him face to face. He said, Oh, if you'll, if you'll follow me, I promise you there is a day coming. And it's the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2 that in the last days he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he, the very deity of God himself, the third person of the Godhead Trinity, will come and dwell within you. You will host the Holy Spirit inside of yourself. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. It's the down payment. It's the first fruits of the seal that he will raise us from the dead and we shall be like him. Amen? Mark chapter 9, verse 14, Jesus is coming out of the Mount of Transfiguration, and he comes to some disciples. And let's read verse 14 to 29. It says, when they came back, the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. 
And he answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth, and he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood, it, is, it often throws him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can... All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, raised him up, and got him up. When he came into the house, the disciples began asking him privately, why could we not drive it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Another translation says, by anything but prayer and fasting. And I love that I've come to you in Seven days into a Daniel fast. You guys are primed and ready. I wish I would have entered into a Daniel fast, but I put on like nine pounds over the holidays, so I need something. I need to do something. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. Now, that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? It's pretty intense. I mean, Jesus isn't pulling any punches here. You perverse and unbelieving generation, how long am I going to be with you? They had seen Jesus move in power. They had seen Jesus cast out demons. But yet, this particular situation was different. This circumstance was different than anything the disciples had seen up until that point. Jesus asked the man in verse 21, how long has this been happening? And the man says, since birth, from the very beginning. Verse 23, Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. And then at the end he says, this kind comes out only by prayer. Now how does prayer give them the ability to cast out this particular spirit? Many people think it's an authority issue. That if we fast and if we pray, then we'll get the authority to be able to cast out this level of a demon. I do not believe that. This is what I believe Jesus was saying. He said, this kind will only be driven out by prayer and by fasting. Not this kind of demon, but this kind of situation. Because whenever you stand in front of someone who brings someone who's mentally ill, or someone who's in a wheelchair or paralyzed, or schizophrenic, or bipolar, or autistic. And I speak at conferences all over the world, and I've had lines of people, hundreds of people, with their loved ones who are in need of a physical healing. And they bring their loved one up to you, and maybe they're curled up, and they're not able to even lift their head and look at you, and they're 
they're drooling and you're looking at this situation, you're like, oh my gosh, how can I believe for this situation to change? And Jesus is telling his disciples, the only way you're going to believe, be able to believe that this situation can be changed is by prayer. It's through prayer that you will receive the truth of the revelation of who God is. And when you receive the true revelation, you see, prayer isn't about us just commanding our list or or regurgitating our list back to God. It's about encounter. Prayer should be about encounter. Yes, there's many different types of prayer, but you need to focus on that Time with Jesus where you're laying in his presence and allowing him to release the spirit of revelation of who he is. So that when you come out of the place of prayer, when you're confronted with a situation that seems so hopeless, something that has been taking place in a person's life since birth, that you will be able to transcend the difficulty of the situation. How many of you believe that sometimes you're in situations that you do not believe anything is going to help? That nothing's going to change? That things are so bad? It's only through prayer where you receive the revelation of God's love and goodness and you tear down the strongholds in your mind of every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You believe who he really is. And that you believe, despite the natural-minded circumstances around you, that he is able to deliver you and heal you and change your circumstances. And Jesus said, you unbelieving generation, this is an issue of faith, not authority. You have the authority. You have the power. You just have to believe it. And believe that you can have access to it to change whatever it is is standing before you. Now, I had no idea you guys just wrote a book on uh, speaking to a mountain. But let's turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. We're going to read verse 22 through 24. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Now the beautiful thing about this verse is that Jesus is literally pointing at the Mount of Olives. He says, if any of you will have faith You can speak to this mountain, and he points to the Mount of Olives, which is a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 14, verse verse 4, where one day Jesus is going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split in two. He's literally prophesying about his own destiny. Jesus says, trust me, if you'll believe, you'll be able to say that this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea. You know why? Because one day I'm going to stand on it, and it's going to split in half. That's a literal mountain. He's not being figurative here. He's saying if you can really believe, if you can really 
know God is able to do these things in your life. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what the natural circumstances around you are. If you will believe and you will stand in faith and ask, standing in the goodness of who God is, that mountain will move. That situation will change. And don't let the accuser of the brethren come up against you and bring fear and doubt and unbelief because anyone who's doubting will not receive what they're asking. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8, James tells us that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask, but do not let him ask doubting or he will not receive what he's asking. What does fullness of faith look like and how much unbelief do we still live under? This satanic assignment, this demonic assignment that creeps into our heart is called unbelief. And oftentimes it leads to fear. Do you struggle with fear? Do you struggle with anxiety? Do you wrestle with whether or not God is good? Do you question whether or not your situation can change? Beloved, that is a demonic assignment and accusation against your life to keep you from walking in the fullness of who God's called you to be and the fullness of who God really is. And the only way to break it and the only way to get delivered from it is through prayer, communion, and encountering the Holy Spirit. We talk about prayer a lot, but do we really do it? How much time are we really devoting ourselves to prayer? And You know, I've been in deliverance ministry for over 20 years now, and so many people come up to me, Stephen, pray for me. I need prayer. I need deliverance. It's been so hard. It's been so heavy. I say, when's the last time you prayed? Oh, it's been about a week. When's the last time you worshiped or read your Bible? And they said, oh, the warfare's been so intense. I've been so oppressed, so depressed. I haven't done that in probably a week or two. And I'm like, so you haven't prayed, you haven't worshiped God, you haven't read your Bible in over a week. Let me tell you something, you should be depressed. You're lucky you're not more than depressed. And you're making me depressed. We've been given the word of God, the name of Jesus, the spirit of God, the blood of Jesus. You've been given all things by his divine power pertaining to life and godliness. You just have to access it. You just have to step out of all the junk of the, the enemy's accusations that we come under and say, you know what, I'm going to believe today. I'm going to believe that he's holy and he's good and he's true and he's powerful and he's given me his spirit. And I know the warfare gets intense, trust me. Some days are easy, some days are hard. Some days I go into the prayer room and I feel the angels and I feel the anointing, I feel the glory, and it's easy. I just enter into a spirit of prayer and intercession, but other days it's hard. Some days it's like taking the escalator, other days it's like taking the steps. And you walk in and you're tired and you have all the warfare around your mind and you know you have to pray in the spirit and and if you can't get a breakthrough, I'll pray for an hour or two in the Spirit. And if I can't get a breakthrough myself, then I'll go to a friend and I'll say, pray with me. I need a breakthrough. This thing's not lifting off of me. One can put a 1,000 to flight, two 10,000. Don't think it's strange. Don't look at me nice and holy as if you don't experience warfare. How many of you experience warfare? It's a very normal right thing. I'm more concerned about people who aren't experiencing warfare. So I'll, get, I'll grab a friend, Alan Hood or Corey Russell, and I'll say, pray with me. Let's break this. And many times we're just too proud and we won't admit our difficulties. We have to humble ourselves. 
So you know what? I'm struggling. I need help. Pray with me, brother. Unanswered prayer is often caused by unbelief. But it's also caused by a lack of confidence and even disobedience. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Verse 21 and 22. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Sometimes unanswered prayer is the result of our unbelief, but sometimes unanswered prayer is the result of our disobedience and our lack of confidence in who God says we are. When Jesus was in the wilderness, the enemy came and tempted him, tested him, and under satanic power, the devil literally picked Jesus up and relocated him. Have you ever thought about that? Some people think Jesus just walked through the wilderness like, ah, get thee behind me, Satan. No, he was a man. He was hungry. He was tired. He'd been fast. He had the word of the Lord that was just spoken over him and the enemy came with all the powers of hell, all the principalities and I don't know if you have ever been in the presence of a high ranking principality but it's like needles and pins and heaviness and nausea and swirl. I mean I've been in Paris, France and done evangelism and deliverance ministry in the darkest places of the world. I've been in the presence of deep, deep darkness and it's overwhelming. Jesus is experiencing the most demonic, the most intense demonic attack anyone has ever experienced. And the enemy's trying to get him to question his identity, so much so that he literally picks Jesus up and relocates him physically and says, I'll give you all these kingdoms. In that moment, Jesus could not rely solely upon his emotions and feelings. He had to cling to the word. Sometimes you're going through a battle, and you cannot be led by your emotions in this battle. You have to rely on what God has said, what God has spoken. Jesus didn't have a Misty Edwards CD in the wilderness, you know. And under the power of darkness, I could see him trembling and say, no, I know what God said. It says the Spirit launched and threw Jesus into the wilderness to go through this trial. And when Jesus passed his test, there was a shift. It says he came out of the wilderness, not just in the Spirit, but in the spirit and power. If you want to increase in power, you have to pass your test in the wilderness concerning your identity. Have confidence in who you are. Now, I've been around men and women of God who had the anointing flowing out of them so strongly, you could feel it 10 or 15 feet away. How many of you have ever felt that? You know, just that power exuding from a man or woman. Now, think about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit coming down from the mountain after passing the most intense test he's ever passed. I bet you could feel Jesus coming a mile away. Some people have this perspective of Jesus, you know, when the children are playing with him, like they're playing with his hair or something. No, Jesus was full of power. The minute those kids touched Jesus, they got electrocuted and started rolling on the floor laughing. 
just fully enamored. I mean, everyone who touched Jesus, it was just like power just left him. Jesus goes into the synagogue and full of the spirit. They said it was like grace falling from his lips and he says, hand me the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. He starts reading, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and a demon shouts, we know who you are, shut up and come out, I know who I am also. Just power coming off of him. The fullness of Jesus knowing who he was. We need to know who we are and have confidence in that reality so that when we ask, we believe that whatever we ask, he hears us and he will answer our prayer. And we don't live in disobedience under the lie that keeps us outside the will of God because we have to stay locked into his will. We can't allow the difficulties to get us to rely on coping mechanisms. The accusation comes, you're ugly, you're never going to get married, you're never going to have children, you're never going to go to the mission field, you're never going to have enough money, you're never going to have that house, you're not going to get that car, you're never going to get healed, your family member's never going to get saved. And we hear that lie, and then it affects us emotionally, and then we go to the refrigerator and we eat that bucket of ice cream, or we go to that computer and we watch and indulge in pornography or whatever, hours of Netflix, and we just indulge ourselves in these coping, me coping mechanisms because we're listening to the lie. We're listening to the accusation. Whatever your coping mechanism is, maybe it's that wrong relationship that you shouldn't be in, you're getting that attention. Maybe it's that drug. Maybe it's some type of fixation, whatever it is that's keeping you from walking in the truth. But whenever you're in the truth, you ask and say, Father, I know who you are, and I know who you say I am, and right now in the name of Jesus, I command this mountain to be taken up and cast into the sea. I pray for my loved ones to be saved. I pray for the shift of my health. I pray for healing signs and wonders. I pray for my destiny to come forth. And you walk in that authority and you walk in that truth. It's who you are and you let it flow. And it's only gained in the place of prayer and encountering God. James chapter 4 verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You have to submit yourself therefore to God. Come out of disobedience. Come out of lusting and pursuing the things of this world in order to make you happy. Do not be defined by the things of this world. Do not let its systems bring you into a, a false identity. You were not made for this life. You were not supposed to live under that yoke. And the very suffering that we experience as children of God in a fallen world is the witness that you are a child of God. You are completely other than. And God has given us his spirit to help. I want to end with this. Turn to John chapter 16, verse 7. God has given us a helper. I quoted this verse earlier, but I just want to read it again. Do you see it? 
says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment concerning sin. Let's jump to verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. The answer to your breakthrough and the issue of fears and unbelief is intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Knowing Him as a person, do you talk to Him? Every morning I get up, Holy Spirit, show me how, how the Father and the Son feels about me. Show me how the Father and the Son feels about my wife and my family. Holy Spirit, show me how to pray. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But He comes and prays through us with groanings too deep for words. Are you entering into that place of the spirit of prayer and intercession where it transcends our natural mind and we enter into a place of travail? prayer and when it happens corporately it gives birth to an open heaven and the activity of the angels and the spirit and the river of God and the life of God are we fully submitted to the Holy Spirit's leadership in our life every day Holy Spirit I love you I thank you lead me and guide me in truth my comforter my friend pray through me I yield my life to you. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Yes, we pray to the Father. Father, I love you. Thank you for sending your Son. Abba, Father, you're awesome. You're great. Jesus, thank you, my Lord, my Savior, my King, my friend. But are you talking to the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing Him a place in your life? One of the greatest Issues in the body of Christ, I believe, is the lack of power and the lack of the yielding of the Holy Spirit. We have an agenda. We have a program. We're seeker-sensitive. We want to appeal to people more than we want to allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants. What are we after? Is this about us, or is it about a habitation, a place where God's glory and presence can dwell? I'm going to read a quote to you, and... I read this regularly, and it's something that has stuck with me for a long time. It's a quote from A.W. Tozer. It's so profound and true, yet so heartbreaking. He said this, If the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. I want to invite you to stand if you would. Let's just ask him to come now. Holy Spirit, we pray just as the disciples. And the man with the son who needed the deliverance, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we know there's more, and we want to stand in the place of faith that our circumstances would not affect us. That discouragement and fear and anxiety, self-hatred, the pain of offense and mistreatment, none of these things would get in the way from us living a life of faith, living a life in the Spirit. Lord, forgive us for all the ways that we've relied on coping mechanisms and the entertainment of this world in order to cope with the pain of life's difficulties rather than trusting in the Helper, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit to give us what we need to sustain us and to heal us and to help us overcome. Today, if you would say, I need help. I need a breakthrough. I have fallen into unbelief. I have fallen into these coping mechanisms and I need a breakthrough. I need a fresh touch from heaven. I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you would say, I have not fully submitted my life to the Holy Spirit. I have not fully given myself to His leadership. And if you would like prayer, I just want to invite you forward. If you would like prayer, I want to invite you forward. Just step out from where you are. Don't let fear, don't let unbelief get in the way of you receiving whatever it is you need from God today. Lord, help us. Help us. Just focus on Him right now. All over the room, just begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Show us, Holy Spirit, any areas of our lives that are not fully submitted to your leadership where hope deferred has made the heart sick. Come on, I know there's more of you. Don't let fear of man keep you from receiving what God has brought to you to receive today. Sometimes you have to step out from where you are before the chains break. You have to make yourself vulnerable in the context of family. You have to make yourself vulnerable. It's in that place of humility the breakthrough comes, I'm telling you. Don't let pride, don't let it hold you back today. Some of you need a breakthrough. You're in situations you struggle with fear, anxiety, anger, lust, perversion, disappointment, discouragement, and you need someone to pray with you. Just all over the room right now, focus on Him. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, release that river of life right now. I declare life and freedom over every person at this altar right now. Receive life and freedom right now in the name of Jesus. We break the power of every assignment of the enemy against your life. Lord, we turn from unbelief all over the room right now. We turn. 
from unbelief and we enter into that faith that moves mountains. We believe, Father, right now that you are able to move this mountain. You are able to heal the sick. You're able to deliver the oppressed. Right now, be healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, over the, all over the room, if you need a healing, be healed in your heart, in your physical body. Right now, be delivered. We take authority over every unclean spirit right now in Jesus' name and command you to leave. Fear, go. Fear, go. Lies, go. Accusation, go. Right now. If you're on the ministry team, right now, I invite you to come. If you're part of the leadership, come and help us pray. We want to pray for each and every one of you that wants prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. the anointing the Lord's touching many of you right now I want everyone in this room to stay engaged no spectating this is holy ground this is a holy moment Lord open the heavens right now freedom in Jesus name Stand. 